Happy Thursday. Yes, happy Thursday. Happy Thursday. Yeah. DA. So, 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 so. How are you doing? <clears throat> Pretty good. How about you? How is February treating you? Uh, it's okay. It's a bit cold out here in the shack, you know. I should have got my little stove going, but. Yeah. Uh, I don't. I was low. I was rushed at the last minute, as you know. So, here we are. I'll be all right, though. I'm used to the cold. I'm from Canada, for God's sake. This this is Ireland. It doesn't even really get that cold. There's a damp. There's a damp kind of cold here, though. You're like, it's weird. Yeah, I'm in a, I'm in New York, and we're actually getting a bit of a heat wave right now. It's up to like 40, 50 today, and all the snow is melting. Really? Yeah. There's meant to be a major storm here. Um, really? Happening tonight. Yes. Uh, well, fairly not like, you know, not a hurricane or anything, but it's got that, a name. It has a name, Dudley or something. Hmm. Or we were getting. We were getting crazy wind last night. I wonder if it's the same system blowing over. Yeah, I don't know if it could. Does it cross the Atlantic in a day like that? Um, pretty know. fast, but maybe. But anyways, let's. We're here to talk about once more Platonism. Yep, <laughs> as usual, we should say. But <laughs> I always. Um, how can I say? How can I frame this now? I to me, Plato is extremely significant and factors into everything, and is more of a basis for western civilization than many other things that do actually claim to be so right so i i read the republic when i was very young well not very young 18 or so and it stuck with me ever since and i read more of the other stuff recently not within the last 10 years let's say and i was profoundly affected by it but it wasn't until i heard other people saying so and then actually later when i read plotinus that i really the, the how profound it was really struck me i mean that's not a right way to put it but the importance of it maybe and it was actually this guy, Raven Gatto, who was one of the first ones I saw talking about it as essential to Western thought and belief and the importance of the spiritual element of it. And then later on, I heard Pierre Grimes talking similarly. And I thought, yes, I agree with this. Mm -hmm. And I didn't I, I didn't have the courage or something to or not. I, I, I didn't quite realize it fully anyways before I heard them talking about it. Yeah. And yeah, so. Yeah. So let me just, I'll say my little bit and I'll move, I'll get you to, to, to talk, but um, what was it, what else was I going to say? So yeah, so recently enough, I had like, I, I, uh, I made a post saying a little a thought experiment I've, I had like years ago where I said, I said, um, what would you, if you it's, pretend there's a apocalyptic situation going on and you only have the choice to say one book for uh, posterity for future generations and your choice is the Bible or, you know, the, the collective works of Plato. And a lot of people say the Bible and a lot of people a lot of the others just sort of say, some say, some say Plato, but most of others tend to say, oh, I'd, I, I wouldn't choose Plato. It's a good it's a good thought experiment, but I would choose something else. And they, you know, I forget what the, some of the examples. One or two will say uh, the Iliad, which I have, I have trouble arguing with as well. But uh, there's a general kind of trendy anti-Platonism out there, let's say. Or like a lot of these people, I don't think I've even read it. They just kind of have a an offhand dismissal of it either because they're uh maybe sort of quasi libertarian types who read this sort of in the republic there's little quotations you can take 
sort of out of context or misunderstand, I think. But anyways, but they exaggerate the idea that he was a communist and all this. And a trendy sort of uh, Nietzschean anti-Platonism, I guess. And so I want to talk about that and how we can fight back to <laughs> this trend. But the, that was that was the purpose of what I wanted to, to talk about. Yeah, for sure. It's like... I hope that explains it. It's like secondhand. People are getting their info secondhand and just yeah. kind of on a gut instinct. Um, yeah. And so much of it comes down to inter the internet being like having this weird um, way that it like inherently rewards contrarianism because it gets attention. Right. So I think when those things combine, yeah. you get like these rabid anti-Platonists who, who have no clue what uh, what Plato is really about. Well, there, there's they a just... reaction. There's an immediate reaction against it, I find, from a lot of people. Um, I think a lot of people, arguably, I, you would say on the right or whatever. But I wonder, like, what is the source of it? Or, like you say, it's just just to be just to be edgy and say, oh, you know, fuck that. But they, like, they're getting some kind of. I don't sense they've profoundly like the, some of the attitudes towards it are not what I took from it when I read it. You hear about people later on who have read it, who have this attitude, a very critical attitude. But yeah, well, I think probably like the most immediate factor that you could like concretely point a finger to would be Bronze Age pervert and his popularization of sort of Nietzschean ideas or maybe re repopularization, I guess, bringing them back into the, the spotlight of a uh, discussion in certain circles. Okay. But, um, I, I believe his critique of Plato, uh, is that he is very anti idealist. Um, I think he falls into the same trap that a lot of people do of thinking that the, uh, the doctrine of forms and ideal forms is about there being like uh, a woo woo second yeah. world that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that uh, your body just can't get to at all. When really it's it's more, you know, it's a uh, it's the age old um, imminent versus transcendent debate that uh, that Christians get into, um, and the answer is kind of you know a little both, a little neither. Well, do you have do you have your own summary of that one <laughs> for for people that don't know the debate so well, or about a trend uh, transcendent in, in, versus, versus transcendent debate? Yeah, is there? Uh, like a... Yeah, it's like um, there's there's a disagreement as to whether God has to be completely outside of His creation in order to be like properly considered uh, able to to create it. He has to be like completely unaffected by it. Um, and then there are other people who go the other direction um, too far, in my opinion, and say that, like, God is only, like, creation is only being, like, there's no transcendence to it. He's just kind of chilling inside matter, <laughs> being the mind of it, I suppose. Yeah. is a sort of poor way to put it, but, uh, yeah. Had... But if I had to explain it to, you know, myself five years ago, that's probably... The best I could do. And what do you? So what is? And what's Bronzer's age pervert's uh, take on what was his criticism? I didn't even really know about this. I don't. Something along the lines of if you get people thinking about any sort of like transcendent world or, or second world or like idealism, um, it's bound it's bound to separate them from immediate concerns, which you know, um, in some cases 
is a fair enough critique. Uh, you know, you see like hippies um, or, um, you know, uh, extremely aesthetic or uh, ascetic Buddhist monks are sort of like that. Right. Which I, I also don't entirely agree with, but I can't fault them for the decision. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, to lay the burden of that on Plato, I think, and through via the forms is a bit much, a uh, bit of an exaggeration. He certainly wouldn't be called, you wouldn't call him uh, or any of them at, of that time that they weren't men of action and, you know, <laughs> they were all warriors and wrestlers and he, you know, there was a, there was duty in the material world. So that's, that's another take I wouldn't have gleaned from, from reading Plato myself or come up with. So that's where that suggests to me, he got it either through, not even through Nietzsche, because even Nietzsche wouldn't probably say it that way. Exactly. And Nietzsche, you can forgive because he was also a genius, even though he's wrong about Plato <laughs> or, you know, in his own way, if he wants to be contra Plato as Aristotle, almost sort of what, not really, but it was, you know, just to be his own little, to blossom in his own direction or whatever, which is what he was doing. I mean, that's fine. But these kind of offhand comments say, you know, people dismissing someone as important as that or that work, which the influence of it and the uh, the knowledge that's in it and how it affects the its significance to religion and the attitude of the West and everything that would, that has been good about the West. Yeah. It's quite, I mean... it's quite flippant. I think the significance to religion is a big part of why there's that knee-jerk reaction against it. Um, right. People are, you know, eager to believe what the Christians themselves say about claiming Plato. <laughs> well, he's Bronze Age pervert isn't a big Christian guy, isn't he? I don't think he, or is he? He's no, he is. He is. is he? Uh, he seems pretty explicitly anti-Christian, except that he weasels out of the question by, uh, essentially, for practical purposes. <laughs> right. So that's that would be there. Be there's a lot of people that post Nietzschean attitude that, I guess, but like, I don't know that they've even thought of it that that far that they would be worried about, you know, the the, the monk who's too disconnected from the <laughs> reality to do anything about it. I I just think they. I don't know. They think it's. Uh, I I I do I do put a lot of blame on those little snippets that go around that people say, oh look, he was a communist. <laughs> right from the republic some of those bits which yeah. some of the some of the bits are kind of crazy sounding like the you know outlawing poetry and that yeah according to according to grimes and i don't know if i agree or disagree the uh the republic is also a treaty on i mean a lot, a lot of people have said this uh, i heard it first from grimes but that um it's also just talking about the self as much as the republic and how you should um how you should what's the word regulate or you know that the laws you should put your own soul under yeah and that there's even a word in greek that he uses that can go either way when he's speaking of like either republic i forget what the word or the reference is but it's either it can mean either like the republic or me and this is the basis of that but i don't know it could be it could be so but that could account for a lot of the more <laughs> crazy sounding things he says he does say a few uh what do you think about that yeah like uh uh, I mean, definitely the Republic is mostly about um, ordering an individual's soul, but yeah. I think that definitely doesn't discount it from also having a sort of political meaning, um, which yeah. uh, which you especially have to um, take into account if you consider that 
uh, traditionally, there's this idea that, uh, you know, the self, the family, um, and the polis or society are all sort of uh, nestled in each other as images of each other. Uh, they're sort of um, matryoshka dolls almost. They're fractal. Right. I don't know if I pronounced that correctly. My Russian's awful. <laughs> I'd have to see the spelling. But... You know, those I Russian, studied Russian dolls. dolls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even remember what they're what they're called. But yeah, so um, and if you're certainly if you're trying to go for a, a functional functional society, you target the individual first or the family first. If you're lucky enough to be in a family based social organization, which we aren't really anymore, um, we have to speak a lot more directly to individuals. Mm-hmm. in our own in our own position yeah well in like what was i gonna say <laughs> totally it slipped my mind before i even said the first word you know um, when that happens <laughs> yeah so like when what's what elements of plato would you say are the most crucial to uh, what we would say uh, what our own the background of the concept in the, the conception of Western thought and the the attitude to the world. Like it, since we can obviously say that a good part of the Bible anyways, was already the better parts of Christianity, dare I say, are appropriated from Platonism anyways, that, and Christians would say, a, Christian, a lot of Christians would admit that they would say that Platonism um, doesn't have the revelation, which to them is sort of a crucial thing, which just means it doesn't have the, you know the story that you have to literally believe the facts of like a sort a, a, a supposed historical account kind of thing Plat- like where platonism is just observing the world and you know a sort of rational spiritual spirituality yeah there's um there's that slogan like uh they have the reason without the revelation and you need both um mm. but i mean obviously plato plato would say well you reach the revelation through reason and that's the point of um initiation and of uh, the mysteries there's like this huge aspect that uh is kind of lost in the modern debates about it which is that plato himself was operating in a religious framework um which of course sort of like the secular west can't uh Cobus. can't easily grasp um yeah but that also doesn't map one-to-one onto the way Christians have appropriated him, even though it maps a lot better than it does uh, with secular thought. And what would your, what would your own conception of his, of his ideas of the forms be that we can try to explain to these people that it doesn't mean that necessarily sort of a literal uh, extra dimension, you know, alongside everything, per se hmm. probably the best like like poetic image I think I could conjure on the spot for uh for how the forms work would be sort of like imagine you're building a house right uh sort of the forms are more like the foundations and the pillars that you load everything else onto yeah which is which is why we say that things emerge from them right yeah. because they uh they can't exist without them as sort of their scaffolding. And it's um 
like there's there's definitely like a transcendent element to it um but that's hard to communicate uh off the cuff yeah well it's also like the idea that ideas themselves are as real as they need to be and like without the idea say of a table you know you couldn't make a table and you wouldn't have right. a table tables right. certainly exist in the world and if say if you went if you destroyed every table in the world you'd still have that idea and concept of a table and it would be as real as anything yeah right? you'd, you'd be have ready a, to make another table you'd have people using slabs on the ground as tables you'd have people spontaneously reinventing the table yeah you know which uh, you'd still, you know and you'd have that pure concept of the work of you know just the table yeah <laughs> and it would you know it's it's real in its way i guess that's sort of a, it's sort of a way to look at it but um so you, so you don't know necessarily apart from the trendy trendy edginess of the of the internet any more than i do why it's trendy to be sort of somewhat anti-plato or not even they're not even necessarily anti-plato they just don't think it's as essential as i think it is like a lot of people look to the east for their spirituality mm. and that's fine there's a lot of to be found there and it's a worthy and good thing to do for sure but a good deal of it is existing in things like plato Right. Uh, in our own history already that has just been maligned and ignored and you know first by christians now by atheists yeah well it's uh you know nietzscheans now i guess whatever it, it's like we said reinventing the table i mean people ancient people the wise men sort of almost spontaneously reinvented correct religion <laughs> in different places um yeah in very like slightly different ways mutated to make them legible to different cultures but you know sort of a sort of a formalism and a bit of transcendence and maybe sort of a tension between transcendence and imminence is something that you'll find uh in i'd say most truly ancient ways of thinking yeah yeah and to have so much of plato's work survive uh as you know as an account of what they were thinking and what how they were piecing things together as a, and as a link to the far distant past before that as as the first and like the best rec recording i think at least of the western version of the original uh religious ideas and philosophies and history of people of particularly i guess we would say european people All right yeah it's uh so much of it is like um a codification of Pythagorean ideas were, were a huge influence. So I'd say actually maybe Plato's biggest influence on the Western world um, has been like his method, his method of uh, arriving at and then relaying information. You know, you have uh, the dialectic and then you have the academy. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's sort of like, okay, well, we've had this wisdom for a while. We've had it since Pythagoras. Um, but now let's, you know, codify and write down and pass down um, the methods, maybe maybe the methods he used, but definitely the methods that, that Socrates and Plato were using. And then, you know, relay them, not necessarily by writing down the specific points you arrive at, as, you know, um, scripture tends to be like, or uh, poetry tends to be like, but also passing down the the practice and the method, which is yes. the dialectic and the teaching. 
yeah academically yeah and that's the really there's a lot of really practical stuff like that that he is really responsible for that these people are taking for granted like including nietzsche really i mean imagine the world without plato versus the world without nietzsche nietzsche was a genius and i love him but i mean come on <laughs> as they say plato, all philosophy is a footnote after plato like he really he developed a method well he developed he gave us handed down to us anyways and th th these are things of very practical material importance um you know for for these people these post nietzscheans to think oh it's all woo and and it's all about heaven and stuff it's you know it's it's an incredibly staple thing <laughs> that they're really taking for granted mm -hmm. to speak flippantly of him like this is no respect at all like I can forgive Nietzsche a little bit. What was Nietzsche's main gripe about him? Just that he loved the pre-Socratic so much, was it? Or I think it was it? something to do with Christianity. Oh, um, just well, that's, that's not his fault that they grafted <laughs> Platonism into Christianity. Like, really, uh, I remember him like something, something to do with. Uh, I mean, basically, you know, this is where um, Bronze Age pervert got his critique from. It he didn't like the uh, the idealism or the uh, it's what he perceived as escapism of uh, of idealism. Yeah, so ide the idea that I've heard this bandied about, I've, not so much anymore, but it was trendy for a little while to say idealism itself was bad. And I don't get that at all. Like, do you? What, what do they, what's, what's supposed to be wrong with it? I know it, it's supposed to be that you then become a utopian sort of communist person because you, is that it? Or I, I think it, yeah, I think it is largely about utopianism, um, wanting to, wanting to make uh good things very like immediately tangible in the world that's a total mistake right but, but without much of the scaffolding that like that like you got from a uh, raven and grimes hmm. because it, to me it's not like about that at all i mean the process of ideal ide idealizing in the greek sense and you find in plato is it is about perfecting things but it's like it's like a journey or a, a job that never ends. It's not like you reach some utopian plateau and everything's rosy. Yeah. It's more like you work hard at ideal, uh, idealizing within the framework of nature, within a worshipfulness towards nature. You um, work towards perfecting things to their ultimate as a kind of, as a duty to nature. And like, it's never going to be perfect. It's like, it's like that ideal where you aim your bow high, you aim your arrow high with your bow extra high because just so it'll land that much farther even though it may not hit the mark right you know it's an impossible job but you do your best kind of thing yeah or well, you know what i may be mistaken it may be um that that uh sort of the nietzscheans critique plato because they find him utopian or they find the idea that there are like you know ideal forms that you can maybe make that you can maybe uh, incorporate into your life or into society, they find that dangerously utopian. Because I know, I know he certainly wasn't um, Nietzsche. Certainly wasn't a communist or a fan of communists. And you know, communism is sort of the uh, the epitome of utopian thinking. But of course, you know, communism isn't very platonic. It must be wrapped up to the in, in, as well then with those few little quotes he makes about the republic. That sound vaguely communist -y. i don't remember what they all were things like you know outlying poetry wasn't it or i can't remember them all there's a few little things he says which is more like a to us now it's very odd it's pertinent to his time it's very greek you know and they were talking about people that had slaves and he's talking about the 
you know, the golden reign of philosopher kings and uh, there's all sorts of hierarchy in it. There's nothing remotely communist about, about the Republic overall. There's a few yeah. little snippets that are weird, but like, yeah. you know, that's, it's got to have a lot to do with that. And that's just really a trendy yeah. buzzwordy modern thing. Yeah. I, uh, I also think that like sort of adolescent, adolescent souls, uh, just, you know, young people, very thematic people, uh, are very in love with the world of becoming and motion. Um, and they resent the idea that, you know, the one is at rest and self-perfect. Because okay. that's, that sort of puts their, uh, their beloved action and motion sort of in a, in a lower rung than they'd prefer. Well, no one's taking away action and motion, are they? You know, the world <laughs> is as it is. Like. Uh, that's a weird, complaint, <laughs> strange complaint to have <laughs> to me. But yeah, maybe, maybe that's it. But like um, a lot of people think, there's some people say they love the pre-Socratics and they're better and they're Parmenides and that, and they're great. I don't see them being at odds generally, unless I miss something. Is there any of them that were starkly at odds with what Plato was saying? I'm sure there are some that uh, that would argue with him. Oh, they'd and, love to. Then disagree, then disagree strongly, but I, I can't think I mean, of it. Yeah, 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 right. Like, uh, what's his name? The guy that lived in the barrel and jerked off. <laughs> what, yeah, what's Diogenes. Diogenes, yeah. But, yeah, I suppose there were, obviously, I should say. But, like, the major ones that I think of, they're not really at odds with them or that I know of. And yeah, so. Diog you know, Diogenes was, he was good in his way, but what, how would you classify him? He's really kind of anarchisty or yeah i don't think he really had a i don't think he really had a system he was um he might have been a, he might have been a cynic but i might be mixing something up in my head yeah. i know there was a cynic philosopher named diogenes who was probably a different guy mm. but have I you, did you ever read uh Parmenides, any of the parmenides it's actually quite excellent i have not but I, really, I i know really parmenides good. is a, a big influence Plato. Yeah, so you know, without Plato, you wouldn't have Aristotle and a lot of these others. And without Aristotle, you wouldn't have Thomas Aquinas and Yeah, uh, Aaron, Aristotle is like sort of um sort of the big link that this whole like discussion of what does the West owe Plato? He's he's sort yeah. of the link that it rests on that at the same time compl complicates things by being a little different than his teacher. Yeah. Um, because there was that period in the Middle Ages where there was essentially very little, almost no Plato translated into Latin. It was all in Greek, and you know, yeah. the uh, the Latin Church wasn't reading Greek anymore. Right. So they had they had all this translated Aristotle that was influencing their thought, and it was only when uh, when Byzantium fell and all the Greek scholars fled to Italy carrying their tomes that you get. Uh, like purely more directly platonic thought reintroduced into the west yeah and then you get the uh the renaissance yeah and uh, <laughs> a, i'm sure i'm sure that has a lot to do like the reintroduction of plato has a lot to do with uh the conception of the middle ages as like the dark ages because yeah, yeah. like aristotle has so much of value to contribute but it's um it tends to be very like concrete and practical 
um, and perhaps it's it's missing more of the uh, the optimism of Plato, where spiritualism and yeah uh, yeah, yeah where, where Plato is also very uh, optimistic about um, humans' ability to use reason to achieve things even even concretely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's two. That's, those are the two sides to Plato, I guess. We have the practical side and the practical philosophy. And, you know, you can take issue with that, I guess. I mean, if his own student Aristotle could to a certain degree, I mean, I'm sure he would welcome and would expect his progeny to go their own way and they're in their own way uh, to, to a certain degree. But like, so you have the practical side of the, of the philosophy, then you also have the, but there's the spiritualism and the link to the ancient uh, uh, mysticism and religion that's in it that mm -hmm. is completely overlooked by most people which is very important so those i think that am i missing anything there that's there should be, there's probably a third side everything comes in threes what's the third side to play? i don't know oh geez uh hmm. i suppose the practical the talk about practically running a, a city state which is not unimportant <laughs> or things you know like i was that. i was just reading up on uh Eumistos plethon recently because mm -hmm. what a what a fascinating little episode in history of this guy living yeah. at the the tail end of the byzantine empire wants to wall off the peloponnese and turn it into the republic <laughs> yeah 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 we, yeah the peloponnese yeah the old spartan yeah right i forgot about that yeah and he uh yeah he drew up the laws and everything and uh what was he waiting for funding that fell through that's the only reason it didn't happen or i don't remember yeah i mean it was weird he was he was operating sort of underground ish within uh, within the Orthodox Church, mm. going to church councils and stuff, uh, being an advisor to one of the last emperors, I think Manuel something. And ranting about paganism. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> making making a couple couple enemies in Rome. <laughs> what a what a delightful shit poster. I would have loved to hear that <laughs> firsthand. Oh God, he'd be now that's edgy. <laughs> when you can literally be, you know tortured and killed <laughs> like that's serious yeah. you're not being banned off twitter or something mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah let's see um oh uh back to like uh plato's ideas of education and uh you you were mentioning like i'm sure you would would have been fine with uh aristotle disagreeing with him which i think is like probably something he was definitely conscious of in founding the academy because yeah. you know he wouldn't have just been teaching doctrines he was also teaching methods and yeah. whatever you can reach with those methods um he would be interested in uh in you know strengthening through dialectic by challenging it and um mm. sort of like the the whole idea of education uh etymologically uh it comes from a ducere to to lead out so like in this in this word we use even nowadays sort of unthinkingly um like there's a latent assumption in it that knowledge is within the soul and it gets drawn out by education by dialectic it doesn't get imposed on you by you know book learning it, it's not like knowledge isn't like something you uh, acquire like the shell on a hermit crab it's something you pull out of your soul already existing right. it's a 
you build yeah. a connection you can build a connection to the wisdom inherent in your soul yeah. um, and i think i think um the west has really lost its relationship to plato in the modern world uh sort of in large part through this uh this different way of thinking about education that we've developed over the last hundred or so years where education has become so industrial uh so sort of you know public well now it's a joke now today it is a joke but yeah i mean it, in, in industrial by industrial you mean like just secular like learning tasks or like um, yeah you get like the ford model of learning where you get 20 kids and sit them in a desk and they draw cursive 20 times and then off to the next class yeah but, um, i mean there has, there has to be that way to a certain degree but yeah well yeah for sure but like uh it's like somewhere along the way the point was lost and yeah it became like people started viewing this apparatus that was originally intended for bringing knowledge out of a student's soul into uh they realized they could use it to uh, impose pathologies and impose indoctrination right yeah on people yeah i think it was plethon who said that learning was remembering yeah or yeah learning is remembering so if you put kids in an environment that's supposed to be for learning uh and then you flood them with inspiration or with flood them with information that's like very precisely tailored to a specific worldview which is uh new and untested then you're sort of you know it's like it's like uh i'm trying to think of like a metaphor using like a sandcastle sort of where you're like pulling you're like pulling the soul into these different shapes that aren't correct or aren't helpful right because yeah. you're still you're still tugging on the soul that's that's what yeah. education has to be but yeah. because you have your own specific motives you're uh you're shaping it into things that it doesn't inherently want to be and i think that's why kids are so miserable with school partly well a good example i think of see that's the in the practical side of, of platonism the practical philosophical side of questioning everything to i mean to socrates almost nothing was knowable as we know like truly noble and so this is the argument against absolutism but without falling into a trap of total relativism which like you see now with progressivism where nothing is nothing is real and nothing is possible um but seriously questioning things i think you can see that best in the when it came when the renaissance, renaissance brought back these ideas in the likes of renaissance men like da vinci mm -hmm. if you look at his life everything was he was questioning personally personally everything and he was studying it without personal interest with personal questions to an extreme everything that took his interest from mm -hmm. math to optics painting sculpture you know whatever engineering but it was like a, a constant questioning and nothing was taken for granted generally i mean you had there was, there was knowledge you can be sure of or that you had to you had to be sure of and rely on but you know a great deal of studying had to be done personally alone and even like reflecting on yourself yeah kind of thing and that's real education there's so little is so many things we're told or have been told have turned out to not be true anyway so you're told by people who say absolutely this is true in the modern way right and just yeah. out of hand and it's just it's not not, not right yeah like tr true is in measured with instruments and that's what they mean and there's 
not enough interrogation of, you know, what's up with those instruments? What are they meant to measure? Why is the measurement valuable? Everything. You know? Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's the other true gift of Plato is that questioning, that right. eternal questioning, not like I said, to the point of paralyzing you with relativism, but there, there's a, there's a noble, because I mean, Socrates went through it all to find the most correct path through anything. And that he showed it was a rigorous, difficult thing. They don't; it doesn't just happen. Even things you'd never expect. That he showed how how much you do take things for granted. And now people take take Plato for granted and take all that for granted. They either don't realize what they borrowed from it, and they disregard it. Yeah, it's a crime. And Nietzsche, like, what is Nietzsche's? Again, I do love Nietzsche. I don't uh, mean to criticize him too much. What do you think of Nietzsche? Um. I haven't I haven't read all the way through him. I I do largely know him secondhand, um, right. but from what I can glean from him, he's he's concerned with uh, sort of making man the best he can be, right? Yeah. And I say that's definitely also the Platonic project is make men the best they can be, um, but there's also maybe a little more humility in the Platonic approach where they also say, okay, well there are just a shit ton of priors we have to examine really minutely before we can assert what it is that the best man um, does and why he does it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's a, it's a tall building and you have to make sure that every, every little support and beam is working correctly because, you know, if one of them halfway up isn't working, then you get a fucked up roof. Yeah. Well, the true Western tradition from before Plato continue and exemplified in Plato and is true in Nietzsche is the uh, pursuit of truth, I would say. Yeah. Almost at all costs in a lot of ways. But um, when there comes a point when the truth is too relative to know, you have to be smart and take the truth that suits you or your survival. Which is something which is more a Nietzschean thing, but I mean, uh, it's just that that was like that's like that used to be common sense. I think that's something. It's only it's only very recently that we take it to the point where we decide to kill ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, no, it's like uh, it's this um. Sort of, sort of two part approach, where there is like the pursuit of the truth, but there's also a recognition that, um. A lot of what matters in the truth is how we can make it relate to ourselves and how we can align ourselves best with it, which is which is where you get the the project of, you know, the best man, the Ubermensch, the enlightened man. Yeah, yeah. You have yeah, well, that's like the philosopher king to Plato, I guess. Yeah, the philosopher king. Yeah. So it's the same pursuit, making the best man. Right. Which is, you know, that's just the way it is. That's what you want. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, if you don't know why you want it, read read some Plato, um, do some yeah. questioning. Yeah, because everything else is just is if you're not heading upwards, you're heading downwards. Right, and it's not easy. It's not a, as as Plato proves. It's a hard task. It's enjoyable though. It's mm -hmm. enjoyable too. Well, yeah, and um, people people that learn to turn that on, they don't like, you know, you ever hear some people they, um, and I could be wrong. This could be just me. I don't make because I don't know. I've never said this to anybody. I don't think, like people say, oh, I just want to turn off and turn off my brain and tune out weed well they just want to watch tv or yeah, yeah you know they just want to smoke weed or watch tv or something i don't know 
and that's that's fine at times but i always want to i never feel like oh i need to stop thinking i don't i don't want to think you know (laughs) i can't i can't i I can't relate to those people um i think that i think that uh they're obviously there is some issue they're having that they're unwilling to face head on generally and i just i don't i don't relate I, i find it honestly a little like off-putting to hear that sort of attitude mm. out of people yeah i think it's quite common no uh, it is in, and, uh, in modern sense yeah yeah and that aversion to difficulty um i think we can't deny is part of where you get this knee-jerk reaction to plato because it just certainly does demand difficult things of people who are going to try to employ the methods that yeah that's right yeah passed down yeah you read it out of like when i first read it i've said this before I was 18, like I was, uh, you know, yeah, I was into partying and whatever, right? I wasn't, and I thought, oh, I'm going to be Mr. Smart Guy and read, <laughs> read this book. I, and like, but then I was profoundly affected by it. I was like, oh, <laughs> wow. So that's what it, that's what it's all about. I must read more of these classics. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so it can change you around. It's, it's, I, I must advise people get a modern translation, by the way. As much as I love old things, you get a Victorian translation of these classics and you're, you're going to be swimming through this uh, flowery language that is just really difficult yeah, yeah i've been uh, i've been grinding through thomas taylor lately and right. even even just dealing with the like the long s that looks like an f in these texts <laughs> is hurting yeah. my brain i love that but it, it is difficult yeah it is it. it is very stylish but uh, i have to get used to it it's better in that sense to get yeah a modern translation that's really just lays it out plainly because it's really effective when they say things, it's like, oh, that's so true. <laughs> you know, any of them, Marcus Aurelius, whatever, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, I had another point. Uh, I don't know. So it's it's definitely vital to the Western canon. Like, would you, what would you, if you were given a stark choice for a collection of works, like, say you could have a collection of Plato in a, in a volume, like a, a book that you could, would, preserve for the future and you can only choose one what would you choose only you one yeah that was that was the that was the test that set this off the that was my that was my well, imaginary yeah scenario. it was like between the republic or the bible but i suppose yeah. if i had to pick out of a collection of plato um i guess i'd have to go for like the biggest one um maybe the timaeus or republic is also a great great option yeah, the Republic is like you know very common and well known, but it really has most of everything is in there. Yeah, yeah, so. and uh, if I had to, uh, if I had a little like you know had to pick a couple, I think uh, I know it's sort of apocryphal. People are torn on whether it's actually Plato's, but I do recommend reading the uh, the Alcibiades, the Alcibiades one and two. Um, I think they're an excellent starting point, and uh, oh, they're fantastic. Yeah, and Iamblichus put them at the sort of beginning of a of his reading list for students for a reason. Um, they they really they really like I think get you thinking about the why of this whole project quite well. Yeah, Alcibiades is just about my favorite character from Greek history. <laughs> <laughs> I do love him, mm-hmm. the scoundrel. Yeah. And just him, like him factoring into that as well, on top of all his other adventures, is just amazing. It's like a, you know, it's a story you couldn't even make up. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy how uh, how how so many of these um, 
figures that ended up being so influential on the rest of history were, you know, alive in the same 30 year span and interact. And it's like, it's like that with uh, Xenophon as well, I believe. Right. And even in the East at that time, isn't it possible? When was the Buddha around and all that? Uh, I know Buddha was four or 500s. Right. BC. Right. Yeah. And well, anyways, but. You know, God, I wish, I wish we knew more about, um, what was going on in like through through persia into like bactria and oh. uh, those last those last couple hundred years bc when uh when there were all the greek colonists from the aftermath of alexander's campaign yeah that's that's such a a fascinating little almost lost little piece of history yeah yeah that's what it reminds me of uh, once again pierre grimes i thought i thought his attitude to it all was really great because he, he'd get on he'd, he'd give a talk and he's like a normal kind of, um, how would you describe him? I think sort of a peace-loving kind of hippie-ish guy. Yeah. But he, he will he will talk about Alexander's campaigns, like how great it was, mm-hmm. you know, sweeping across the East and taking over these cities. <laughs> and yeah. just, but he, but he, practically speaking, he would say, look, he would go to there. He'd, it, you know, they'd build a, a coliseum, a giant gymnasium, a giant library, and everyone would go around working out under statues to Hercules. And isn't that great? Yeah, it is. It is great. And it is great. It is great. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. We don't have that. It is crazy. Like what, you know, and he's, he's the one who really sees Plato. He's the one who, no, I should say Raven Ghetto was the first one that I heard really talking about it as this is what you, oh, this is, this is what you need for your religious teaching mm-hmm. and that it's all in there if you look for it. And it's, and there's more to be discovered even if you, you know, I mean, if I, I wish I, if I was smarter, I would learn to re- learn Greek and like study firsthand in the original language. Mm-hmm. But uh, the most we can do is make little podcasts about it. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We complain about these retarded kids that uh, just want to say, ah, oh, fuck that. You know, I, yeah, I can't right. remember what their other choices. They just wanted to ex- insert their own book choices. You know, come on, any book from like the last hundred or two years, really, you'd be hard pressed to think of one, would you? I don't know. Yeah, really, it, it is actually sad to think about. I was thinking, like the, the 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 experiment, the thought experiment is about having a book that you could rebuild civilization with, really. Right. So if you just had the Bible, I mean, that's fine. You could rebuild the Dark Ages, but you wouldn't even have that. You would, God, what would you have? I don't know, like something. Well, something there really... have been a lot of people trying, and they end up making cults out in Utah. One of them is doing pretty well. The Mormons seem to be doing fine for themselves, but. Yeah, they also, they also have a whole a whole another book besides the Bible that they <laughs> right right. With. So that's that's genius. That's real. I uh, I love the genius of that because that's really kind of mystery cult behavior, yeah. and I can't I can't uh, I can't be too negative towards them for that. I, I I don't mind that. And as you know, I'm not particularly anti-Christian. I don't want to slag them either. Really, I, I, I've got to be able to say what I think without worrying about upsetting everybody. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. you know, Mormon Mormons are fascinating. Um, the oh, most yeah. the most american religion out there it's, you yeah. know so of course your attitude about them is going to depend on your attitude towards america and uh yeah incredibly virile i mean polygamy and stuff that's fantastic <laughs> <laughs> but it, it is crazy how much they were uh i guess i guess how settled down they've been by now they're all monogamous they wear their little little button-up shirts and they work at the cia <laughs> well they used to i don't know if they do that anymore I, when I think of a CIA or FBI now, I think of like a an obese woman <laughs> or something. I don't think of it. 
Oh, I don't think of a yeah, proper yeah, Mormon-looking guy. With yeah, I remember at some point last year there was a, a picture circulating of like, like this lady who was like bragging about getting a job at the CIA and like mentioned like her anxiety disorder or like some other disability as being like, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. bragging about it. And yeah, now I'm in. Now I'm on. I'm in your national security apparatus, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah. Oh, there's, I'm sure there's tons of them because you can't, you can't not hire these people now. They're the ones who get the job. So it's going to be more crazy. Well, they're the more useful, useful Anyways, janissaries. Useful janissaries. Yeah. So I don't know. Anything else you want to say about it, about the um, um, basis of Western civilization? Uh, now all, all my notes were about uh, the dialectic, uh, the meaning of education and, and how that was like his big influence. And I'd, I'd say we, we got our piece. About that, yeah. pretty well down. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, uh, is there anything else? I would say, just like, don't take these accounts, these offhand, flippant um, disregards for the likes of someone like Plato, someone as influential and important as Plato. You have to show some reverence and respect. If you have any respect for yeah. anything in Western yeah. civilization, you cannot just dismiss someone like that. Yeah. Nor, just... nor, nor can you dismiss Nietzsche either. But you can't. Right, right, you know, right. Nietzsche can get away with it because he was great. <laughs> And even then, I believe he's wrong, and he's not anywhere. We can do without Nietzsche, but we can't do without Plato. Yeah, just just read it yourself, yeah. even if you're dead set on hating it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because a lot of people now associate it with this woo thing you said, somehow, even though it's incredibly practical and, uh, you know, incredibly disciplined truth-seeking, that they associate it with this airy-fairy thinking. And like we said with the forms, you know, like... It just the forms it just expresses the importance of ideas. It, the forms are linked more with beauty values and goodness and stuff. Yeah. And you know when he talks about the forms, from what I recall, and like like I said, the idea of the table, not just the any idea that you might think of or could come up with, it's like it's there, out there for you to grab, and it's already there. You know, it's yeah, just like it's just like if you even if you forgot what a table is, even yeah, if, and if you all the tables and we all forgot. The, right. the concept of the table still kind of exists, doesn't it? Yeah, and if you're still really, you know, married to your atheism or your, like, extreme imminence, uh, like, there's still value in thinking about forms, even if you have to do some gymnastics and think about it, like, psychologically. I believe we discussed Jung a little bit last time we talked. Mm. And it's like, you know, that's a perfectly fine gateway for people if they have to start thinking about forms as a thing that exists in your head that you project onto an unknowable world. You know, that's not correct. Um, but it's a lot easier to swallow if you're like starting from zero and you're just an atheist. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. So show some respect, you sons of bitches. <laughs> and, uh, I guess that's it. So what are you doing? Are you, uh, you can always plug your book again, or are you, you don't. You, uh, apparently, you don't, you don't care if anyone buys your book. You just want it's only for people that know you already. Apparently, but, <laughs> I, I, no, I'll just say, uh, yeah, my my book is uh, "Hymns for the Gods from Olympus to Asgard." Um, Mr. Aureus Press here did the did a great job on the cover art. If you've right. seen it, um, it's available on Amazon. Hopefully, you guys enjoy it. It is a. Uh, it's not so philosophically rigorous. Um, it is. It is more woo. <laughs> it's about, you know, the gods and a devotional approach to them, if that's something that interests you. Yes, excellent. And of course, my books are on Amazon. 
and that's all we can say. So don't uh, don't fall for the naysayers. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you later. Yep. Peace. Yeah. Goodbye.